just, let's talk about death. No one likes it. Never met someone who's a fan of death. My youngest son, Eli, who's four, just became aware of the concept of death for the first time, and he hates it. Now, it's not serious, it's not, like a, it's not a pet, it's not a loved one, thank God. It's video games, actually. Um, I feel judged right now, but I'm just gonna say it. My children play video games. How many of you have children who play video games? Come on, raise your hand. Yeah. Some of you are lying. I, I'm looking, I know some of you that didn't raise your hand. I'm looking at you and you're like, oh, we don't, you know, no, children play video games. My kids play video games. I'm just gonna be honest. He's four, should he be playing video games? No, of course not. Is it healthy? Absolutely not. But he has older siblings who play and I don't have the bandwidth or frankly, the energy to stop him. I just don't. And it's hard for me, right? Because like when I was a kid, those of you that are from my generation, 80s and 90s kids, how many 80s and 90s kids in the room? Yeah. Yes. Our parents used to be able to say things to us. Like when I was a kid, we didn't have video games. My mom would say that to me all the time. She grew up on a farm. She would say, you know, when I was a kid, when I was playing too many, she would say, we didn't have video games. And, and she would talk about how she had to get up and milk cows. And I was like, we don't have cows. You never, you didn't buy me a cow, you bought me a Sega Genesis, okay? So I'd like to play it, like that's my childhood. But my mom, they could say things like that. They could say, you know, when we were kids, we didn't have the internet. I can't say that as a father. I have very little ammunition as a dad when my kids are playing too much. I can't be like, you know, when I was a kid, we had video games and I played them a lot and I thoroughly enjoyed it. So get off, like I can't say that. It just doesn't have the same power. So my four-year-old, he plays video games, it is what it is. And he's got this game that he plays called Boomerang Foo, and he plays as a cheeseburger with a boomerang, and he fights a watermelon with a boomerang. And sometimes the watermelon wins. And so a few weeks ago, he was experiencing this for the first time. And I'm in my room, and I hear him scream at the top of his lungs. And, and parents, those of you who have kids, if you don't have kids yet, like, you'll, you'll learn this. There's a certain scream, and you're just like, they're dead. Like, that's what just happened, that's it. That was, their life is done. And you run into the room and, I'm, and he's on the couch and I'm thinking, okay, here it goes. And I'm like, like, what's wrong, Eli, what's going on? And he turns to me and he has these massive tears in his eyes. But not like sad tears, angry tears. Like he is, he's at a depth of anger that I've never seen him experience. And he just says to me passionately, I keep dying and I hate it. That's what he says. You know, and, and, and this like involves him screaming and yelling. He's throwing a fit. At first I try to console him. I'm like, son, calm down. It's okay, it's okay. And then, you know, sometimes like if you have kids and they, they get too emotional or, or you start to shift into now you've got to parent that. And so I'm like, you got to stop. And he wouldn't. And I said, you know what, son? When, when I was your age and we died in a video game, we had to start the whole game over. All right? So just think about that for a second. And... uh Went right over his head. Doesn't have the same bite as I never played one, but I, oh well. Eli, through video games, has experienced death for the first time and he hates it. And he's right to hate it. Death is the worst. Death is awful. We spend so much of our time doing everything we can to distract ourselves from it. We don't wanna talk about it. We don't wanna think about it. But when, when we see it, when it hits close to home, we hate it and we should. We should. Easter is often framed through the lens of Jesus defeating death. And that's what we're gonna talk about this morning. It's not a big shock. I don't, I don't on Easter Sundays go, what should I talk about this week? I wonder like, uh, I'll probably talk about Jesus raising from the dead. 
Like Easter is the story of Jesus versus death. But I think it's really important for us to understand something today. That for Jesus, this was not just some one-time happenstance. He, he just happened to encounter death, and in that moment, he defeated it. Jesus hated death. Death made Jesus angry. Jesus is fundamentally opposed to death. In fact, we see this in a story that happens really close to the story of his own death and resurrection. Very shortly before all that, Jesus had a friend named Lazarus who died. And he was very sick. His sisters, Mary and Martha, very close friends with Jesus, they sent word to Jesus who was not far away. They said, come quickly, Lazarus is dying. And Jesus gets the news and his disciples are like, okay, I guess we're going. And he's like, no, let's, let's just wait a little bit. And they were like, but you know, Jesus, I don't, he's dying. It's Lazarus. And Jesus tells his disciples, hey guys, calm down. This, this will not end in death. That's what he says. This will not end in death. And so they go, okay, fine. Jesus knows best. And then Lazarus died. And Jesus waited several days before he even went to visit the family, which was not like the custom in, in his culture. If someone you love died, you dropped everything. And you went immediately, but Jesus hangs back. And he finally arrives and Mary and Martha, very close friends, they believe in Jesus. They look at him, they're angry as you can imagine. And they say, Jesus, if you would have been here, he wouldn't have died. What, like, why? And, and then they start kind of doing the things that you do maybe if you ever pray and you're mad at God and you're like, God, I know, but, but I know you're good. And you don't really mean that. You're really angry. And, and so Jesus gets to this point where he's finally ready to go see Lazarus. Because here's the thing, spoiler alert, Lazarus is risen. Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. It's like a test run for Easter. I don't know why, the timing, it's just what he does. And it's what he planned to do from the beginning, which is why he told his disciples, this will not end in death. But check out what happens before he raises Lazarus from the dead. This is John chapter 11, verses 33 through 35. It says, when Jesus saw her weeping, this is Mary, and saw the other people wailing with her, a deep anger welled up within him. And he was deeply troubled. Where have you put him, he asked them. And they told him, Lord, come and see. And then Jesus wept. This is so strange to me. Because the very next thing he does is he raises Lazarus from the dead. And he was gonna do it. It was the plan all along. And I don't know about you, but if I showed up for the purpose of raising this man to life, and I knew I was gonna do it, in like 30 seconds, I would not break down and cry right before I did that. I mean, if anything, I would be like holding back a smile, which would be very rude, in the situation, like everyone's crying and I'm like, oh man, this is gonna be awesome. Like, you guys have, like, why are you smiling? Don't worry about it, just, just wait, just wait, it's coming. Right, I'd be like fighting that. But Jesus breaks down and, and part of that might just be compassion. Jesus is incredibly compassionate. Whatever you're going through in life, he cares, he loves you, he's compassionate. But it's more than that. It says he, he's deeply angered by death. I think back to my, my four-year-old screaming on the couch, hating death in a video game, throwing the expensive controller. Jesus, with tears in his eyes, angered by death. We need to be reminded today that not only did Jesus face death one time and he, he rose and he won, yay, hurrah. Jesus Christ is fundamentally opposed to death. One of the, the unique aspects of, of my role over the years um, is, is doing funerals. 
And it's not something I ever thought about when I, when I said yes to this. I thought a lot about Easter Sundays, celebrations, not so much about funerals, but I've done a lot. And uh, I've, I've done a lot and, and with your families, many of you who are here. And it's interesting, as I've done probably over 50 at this point, over the years, the, the breadth of experiences I've had with families who are facing death. And what I've noticed is that it doesn't really matter if the person who has died is 20 or 85. There's something in every family where, where that same anger wells up and we say to ourselves, this isn't right, this shouldn't have happened. And you would think it'd be the opposite, right? We're several thousand years into human history, everyone's died. You'd think by now we'd be like, yeah, this is just, this is how it goes. Like we don't cry when the sun sets every single day, right? Because it's like, this is what happens. This is just how it goes. You'd think we'd be like that with death. We would have come to terms with it, but we, we aren't there with death. And you know what? We shouldn't be. Because we were not created to die. When you read the story of God's creation, he did not create us to die. He created us for life with him. Eternal life. And death comes into the picture as the result of us choosing death. Walking away from life. And I think that's why no matter if someone's a follower of Jesus, believes in God, or even someone who doesn't believe in any of that at all, and maybe that's you, maybe you're here this morning because your friends invited you and you're like, that means they think I'm a bad person. They invited me to church on Easter. No, they don't. They're bad people too, first of all. Let's just get that straight, okay? <laughs> they invited you because they wanna share the most important thing in their life with you. That's a good thing. But it doesn't matter if you're like church person, not church person. I think deep down inside, all of us know, it's like encoded into us that we should not die. That death is an enemy. Which is why it's so amazing to think about the fact that Jesus always treated death as an enemy. There's times that Jesus encounters people who are right on death's doorstep and they're, they're dying, they're sick. And when, when Jesus is with those people, the stories that we have, he heals them. He interrupts death. There's a story of Lazarus there's also the story of a young girl who died and, and his father came to get Jesus and while they were on the way for this girl to be healed, she actually passes away. She was sick before, now she's dead. And people come to him and say, hey guys, it's too late, you didn't make it in time. And he turns to Jesus, the father, and says, you know, thanks, but it, obviously no reason to come. And Jesus says, no, I'm coming. And, and he raises this girl to life and he raises Lazarus to life. And when he dies, he raises to life. Why? Because Jesus is against death. He is opposed to death because he is the opposite of death. Jesus is life. In no uncertain terms, Jesus is the son of God. He is the author of life. There is nothing that was created that, that was created apart from him. He holds all things together and every single aspect of human history is moving toward a point where every single person will recognize that Jesus Christ is the King of Kings. He is life itself. And so of course Jesus is opposed to death because there's nothing that could be further from who he is. What, is that, what does that mean for us? For all of us, that Jesus is opposed to death. What would it look like if, if we like, grabbed a hold of that idea? How would we live life if we knew that, that our God 
was the opposite of death and that he, before we had even breathed the breath, had defeated it. You know, sometimes, I'll just be honest with you, sometimes, especially like Easter Sundays, you know, there's a lot of you guys who are here and you haven't been here in a long time. And you're dressed really nice. Like you, you brought your best today. It's awesome. And so sometimes it's Easter Sunday and I'm like, man, I better bring it. You know what I mean? There was a, a family that I, I love and they like, they were like, hey, we're coming. And they haven't been here in a long time. And they're involved in another church, which is awesome. I'm not trying to beat that church today, but am I trying to beat that church? Maybe. <laughs> Just being honest. I'm a competitive person. And so like they text me, hey, we're coming. And I'm like, ah, oh, I better bring it, you know? And, and like when it's something like Easter, what you wanna do very often is you wanna come up with some like really catchy thing. Something that you could say that everyone likes and loves and goes, yay, they agree, they say woo. You, I've talked about this, if you go here, I like it when you say woo, but not everything in church is woo worthy, you know? So sometimes you wanna, you wanna make the woos happen. And so you see that a lot with things like, like for example, you see statements that sort of come from, from church that are like excited and they, they do well on social media. Everyone goes yes, everyone goes woo. Things like love conquers all. Love conquers, like, come on, let's just pretend for a second, like, love conquers all. Woo. No, it does not. You're wrong. I set you up. <laughs> like, God's love conquers all. That was all right. God's love, like his, but, but love in and of itself, separate from God, conquers very little. I mean, think about how many people you've looked at in the eyes and said, I love you, and then later on said, you know what, Never mind. I don't. <laughs> yeah, woo -hoo. And like, we've been on the receiving end of that too, and it's really hard. But like, that's what happens. That idea, love conquers all, that comes from scripture. That, that idea is rooted in scripture. The, the whole platitude in the world, even apart from, from our faith, that love conquers all, that would not exist if not for what scripture says about, about love. But if you remove God from it, it's just not true. Love doesn't conquer all. Human love is like fickle at best and even annoying sometimes. I love my wife, I annoy her. She actually compared me once to Pepe Le Pew. Uh, <laughs> I'm a little much, and it's kind of true. Okay, so, so let's take the same thing with Easter. Like sometimes I'm, I'm tempted at Easter to boil this down into something that's just super catchy. Like we might say, life wins. You know, it's life versus death and life wins. Come on people, life wins. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. Unless God's involved, like human life does not win. Prior to Jesus, death was batting a thousand. If you're not a sports person, I'm sorry, I use a sports analogy. Death was undefeated, which is still kind of a sports thing, whatever. Okay, death won every time. Now there's a few stories in the Bible. Some of you guys are like Bible people. You're like, oh, no, 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 there's a story of this guy or this guy that didn't die. No, they didn't defeat death. They just avoided it, if you believe those stories. I do, but they just avoided it. But every single person before Jesus who faced death in their own strength, without Jesus being involved or God being involved in some powerful way, they all died. And even the ones that rose again, died again. Like there's stories where people get, like Lazarus died twice. There's only one person who has ever lived and died and, and been resurrected and then stayed alive forever. And that is Jesus Christ. That is worth the woo, right? And so, 
Easter is not the story of life versus death and life wins. Easter is the story of Jesus versus death and Jesus wins. It's Jesus. Let's, let's stop with the woos for just a minute. I'm just teasing you guys, I liked it. No, it's Jesus wins. And what that means is really simple for us is if you have Jesus, guys, if you have Jesus, if you've given your life to him, you, you have a life inside of you through him and only through him that death itself cannot stop. You know, it's interesting, in scripture very often, it describes our lives before knowing Jesus as, as death. So for example, Ephesians chapter two says, once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. That's a slightly offensive verse. Remember when you were dead? You were dead. Okay. Ephesians 2, 4 through 5 goes on to say, but God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you've been saved. Now, if you're new to the whole church thing, you're like, what in the world is this? There's a, a scripture that says the wages of sin is death. Sin leads to death. Sin being rebelling from God, doing things your own way, selfishness, you name it. And here's the thing, we all believe that because we've all experienced it. When we're selfish, when we go against God, when we do things our own way, it always leads to death. Death of self-respect, death of trust, death of relationship, death of our, our dignity, something dies. And this actually says that before knowing Jesus, we were just sort of like dead, and that's a weird idea. And that might be confusing, but actually I, I love the fact that we live in this day and age because we all have ways to understand this. Um, how many of you, just out of curiosity, have a phone? You have a phone? All right, just. <laughs> Y'all are dead. You're acting like you're dead. Okay, here we go. Woo. So if my 12-year-old were in the room right now, he'd be staring at me with, with eyes of death because he does not have a phone. And he wants one very badly. And I have told him no. And like all of his friends are getting phones and I'm like the final holdout. So he hates me. Um, how many, any parents, you're the holdout? You're the one like, yeah. Last, first service, there were four of us. We're growing. We are, we're growing. Okay, so you have a phone. At some point in time, in the last week, at the very least, you have probably described your phone as being what? Dead. You've said, oh, my, my phone is dead. And when that happened, when you said my phone is dead, you didn't go in the backyard and bury it, right? You didn't get people together and say, let's remember the times we had with this phone. Like, I love this. This is the phone that, that introduced me to Wordle. I love this phone. As some of you know what Wordle is. If you don't, look it up or don't, because it's addicting. But no, we don't do that, right? What do you do when your phone is dead? You charge it, right? Because then it comes to life. You connect it to a source of power that it does not have within itself and it comes to life and it has the ability to be what it is meant to be. Apart from Jesus, disconnected from Jesus, we are dead. We are not able to function as we're meant to function. We are not able to be what we're meant to be. But connected to Jesus, through faith in Jesus, we now have access to something that fills us with life. And we can be the people that we're meant to be. We can be the people that God created us to be, but only through Jesus. And by the way, it's a life. It's a life that doesn't ever die. It's not just a temporary charge. And Easter is the moment that we celebrate the fact that Jesus didn't just, he didn't just beat death for himself 
and then do a victory lap and say like, did it, nailed it, bye. He gives his life to us. Romans chapter eight, verse 11 says, the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you and just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he'll give life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living inside of you. If you have put your faith in Jesus Christ, even if you feel down, dejected, lonely, depressed, you don't know what to do, you look at the world around you and you're, you're freaked out, you're, those are your feelings. But the reality is that there is a life inside of you that nothing can stop. So what do you do with that? Well, I'll tell you what you do with that. You live life. Like, like you live now. Now look, you guys didn't come to the first gathering. If you had, you'd have more time left in your day, but that was your choice. And you know, it's okay. You gotta live with your choices. Um, no, I actually know a lot of you were serving in the first gathering, so thank you so much. But seriously, there's a lot of, there's a lot of the day left and I'm not gonna talk that much longer. So there's a lot of the day left. <laughs> that was deserved. Walked into that one. But seriously, there's a lot of the day left. Here's my question today. Let's just look at today. Are you gonna live life? Because how many of us know that very few people actually live life? There's a difference between living life and avoiding death. We, we spent the last two years learning what avoiding death looks like. It's not good. It's not worth it. But Jesus didn't die on the cross so that we could just avoid death. So we can't. Jesus died on the cross so that whenever we face it, we know it loses. And when you have that kind of faith, when you have that kind of belief that the life inside of you can never be snuffed out, that the life that Jesus has put inside of you will live no matter what. Jesus actually said to Mary and Martha that same day he raised Lazarus, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. And if you believe in me, you will live even after you die. If you believe that, you know what you do? You go out and you live life. You enjoy it, you savor it, you love it. You love it. We live in a world where people, guys, they don't live life anymore. They don't enjoy it. They're just trying to cling to whatever existence they have. They're trying to avoid death. That's why we have all these things in our society where people will tell you that if you never eat good food again and you work out every single day, you might be able to add, what, four years maybe to your life? No thank you. Anybody like a woo for that? I do have a friend though that just turned me on recently to a diet called the carnivore diet. And all you eat is meat. That's it. You don't, you, you don't even eat vegetables. Vegetables will kill you. <laughs> now that's a diet I can, I can get behind that one. Like I, and some of you love animals and you're like, oh, I'm so, I'm, it's offensive to you, you'll be fine. But <laughs> like, Okay, I can get behind that. But, but think, about how many, think about how much of our world is telling you to just take away good things that, that are enjoyable for the sake of what? Holding on a little longer? I mean, the last couple of years with COVID, and I get it, and many of us went through this and it's affected us. I know there's no way for me to talk about this with, with hitting every single aspect, but so much of it was like, oh no, death. Well, let's, let's shut down all of the good parts of life so that we can hopefully avoid death. Or what if we just live life? because it's good, because it's been given to us, and because we don't have to be afraid of death. I'm not talking about being irresponsible, but like, let's be honest. <laughs> Hebrews 2, 14 and 15 says, because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the son also became flesh and blood. For only as human beings could he die, only as a human being could he die. 
And only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had, past tense, the power of death. And only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. If you have Jesus in your life, you are not a slave to the fear of death because Jesus beat it. Death versus Jesus, one-on-one, toe-to-toe, Jesus wins. So live life and enjoy it. That's the takeaway today. There's, there's several hours left in the day. What are you gonna do with it? I'm gonna live my life. You know what I'm gonna do today? I'm gonna play a video game. <laughs> I'm not even lying. I'm gonna sit on my couch later and my son is gonna come and say, can I play? And I'm gonna say, not tonight. I'll probably let him play. But I'm, I'm serious, like I'll, I'll tell you what I'm gonna do today. I'm gonna kiss my wife. I'm gonna be as much like Pepe Le Pew as she has ever experienced. And we're gonna be at her parents' house, so it's gonna be super awkward and weird. I don't care. I'll be, I'll be tame, but I am. I'm gonna kiss my wife today because I love her. She is gorgeous and she married me and she probably shouldn't have, but she did. And I'm gonna take every bit of advantage of that. I'm gonna love my children today. I'm gonna give each one of my kids a giant hug and then I'm gonna take a nap to avoid them for at least two hours. <laughs> but I'm gonna live my life today because there's a life inside of me that Jesus won and, and I get to live it. Are you gonna live your life today? That's the question. Are you gonna walk out of this place and live? You should because Jesus has won life for you. So live it, enjoy it, savor it. Spend time with people you love. Reach out to people that you love. When you see something happening in the world and it, and it gets you distracted, you know, whether it's politics or current events or, or whatever, it is. Forget about it for a second. That's all temporary. In fact, Jesus even said, look, guys, there's gonna be wars. There's gonna be rumors of wars, blah, blah, blah. That will always happen. I'm not saying that stuff isn't serious, but that stuff can't define our lives because we have life inside of us, one for us by Jesus. So go out today and live your life. Live it, enjoy it. And look, and we'll wrap up with this. If you, if you don't know Jesus, you haven't put your faith in him. We're not gonna create an emotional moment right now to try to make you do that, okay? Where like, Anybody grow up in a church culture where that was the thing, like emotional moments where you have, someone's gonna get saved just to make the guy stop. Like that's how I grew up that way, okay? Many of us didn't maybe, but I grew up, I grew up just saying like, I got saved five or six times as a kid just cause someone had to do it, all right? Someone's gotta come forward. And in our church, it was always this, maybe this was yours, like with every head bowed and every eye closed. And I was like, why are we, like, why is this secret? I wanna see who gets saved but I guess you're not allowed to, you know? Oh well, we're not doing that. We're not, we're not gonna create an emotional moment. I don't believe in that. But what I do believe in is just being really honest and truthful. I, I know many people with regrets. I have regrets. In fact, I bumped into a, a good friend of mine just a little bit ago who just proposed to his fiance and I saw the pictures on Facebook and he did an amazing job and I proposed to my wife in a dorm room and I regret that very much. I regret that, like we all have regrets. I know many people who regret relationships and they regret jobs or they regret big changes and decisions that they made in kind of a, a moment emotionally. I regret, I know people that regret churches. Like, let's be honest, they had church experiences that were really bad and they regret those. But I have never in my life yet met someone who truly encountered Jesus 
gave their life to him and regretted one ounce of that. It's the only thing I've ever experienced like that because there is something, there is something about connecting with him that is undeniable. And it does change you. And it's why for thousands of years, billions of people have continued to believe this story. That let's be honest, in many ways is unbelievable. And it's not like the people 2000 years ago were somehow less knowledgeable about death than, than we are. I mean, probably more so. They experienced death much more often. And so when people said, hey, Jesus is risen, I don't think they were like, of course he is. They would've been like, no, he's not. But, but something was undeniable about it. And all of a sudden, thousands of people are believing in this and it's filling them with a courage that nothing can stop. And the most powerful government that's really ever existed in the world, the Roman Empire, tried really hard to destroy the movement of Christianity and then it failed. And then that's happened over and over again. It's an unstoppable force. Why? Because Jesus is unstoppable. Death learned that the hard way. And so if, if you haven't put your faith in him, I, just, I would just encourage you to do one simple thing, pray. And it might, I mean, you may not even believe it's real, but just be like, hey God, I don't know if you're real or not. I don't know if this whole Jesus thing is real or not, but they're talking about some version of life that I don't really see in the world. And I need to know if it's real or not. And if you pray that prayer, because I believe that God loves you so much, you will at some point, in my opinion, sooner than later, feel some type of stirring. That's the best word I can use. Something inside of you is like, it moves. And that is your spirit that is desperately desiring to connect with God's spirit, to be made alive fully for the first time. So if that happens, say yes. Say yes. Give your life to him. And then you know what? come back next week or go to another church next week, whatever, it's fine. Just go somewhere and get plugged in so that you can grow into the life that you were given. But for all of us today, as we pray, Jesus is alive. Death lost, Jesus won, and he's given that life to us. So let's go live our life. Let's pray. Father God, forgive me for praying so fast that I awkwardly stopped the clapping. That was my bad. More importantly, Jesus, oh Lord, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for every person who's in this room. Thank you for every person who's watching from home. Lord, life is hard and all of us are going through stuff and all of us have frustrations and struggles and discouragements. And some of us, Lord, are fighting incredibly difficult battles and no one around us knows. Some of us, Lord, are, are, are lonely tired, we're depressed, we're hurting because tragedy has struck our lives. We're dealing with the pain of death ourselves. But we are all united by your love and we are all united by the truth that there is a king above all and not even death itself can stop him and that is you, Jesus. So I pray that we put our faith in you. I pray that we put our trust in you. I pray that we stop looking around at the world and allowing all of the negative, all of the bad, allowing that to define us, Lord, but rather we let your love, your power, your life define us. That we become people who, who don't just avoid death, we live life because the life we have inside of us is full. 
We love you, Jesus. We pray all this in your name. Amen.